Mark Gagan and you're listening to a special episode of the Voice of Insurance podcast, produced in association with Advantage Go. Pick and choose your own unique best-of-breed insurtech and data providers with Advantage Go's ecosystem. Today's episode is all about showcasing a really important advancement in the provision of technology to the insurance industry. Back in the early days of computerization, we installed different systems in our businesses to do different jobs. We didn't expect them to talk to each other. And because each was made of proprietary tech, they almost certainly didn't. As time passed and developments like the World Wide Web started to permeate more of our lives, our expectations changed. Nowadays, we want systems to ingest data sources and the output of other systems, and we expect these new outputs to be easily ingestible further down the chain by our own suppliers and all the different departments of our business, as well as regulators and other essential third parties. Common standards and modern connectivity are allowing this to happen. I suppose this is the difference between computerization and digitization. But this begs a change in the way technology providers go about their business. Either they will try to be all things to all people and produce their best attempts at solving every problem and answering every question that the insurance industry is trying to answer, or they will have to be more realistic and pragmatic. In a world brimming with excellent providers of increasingly specialist solutions, many are realising that the best outcomes for customers are going to come about when they're provided with a wide array of choice and ease of operation. A customer should be able to run different tools on the same platform without having to become an expert in plugging them all together themselves. They should be able to pick and choose whatever permutations and combinations they want without having to worry whether everything's going to be compatible. Tech providers should be doing this for them and making their lives easy. There should also be the possibility of choosing between different competing options for certain tasks. This strategy is called an ecosystem approach and it's what we're going to be getting deep into today. To help us, I spoke to Ian Summers, Global Business Leader of Advantage Go, and Jeff Cohen, who is a Senior Vice President at Zywave. Ian and Jeff are vastly experienced in their fields. Ian is the architect of the Advantage Go ecosystem idea, and Zywave is a core member of this affiliation. You absolutely don't have to be a techie to find this discussion useful, and Ian and Jeff are really approachable and good at explaining things to laypeople like me. Half an hour with these two and I guarantee you'll be excited about the possibilities that a genuinely digitised insurance world are going to open up for all of us, not least in a brave new AI-enabled world. Enjoy the podcast. Jeff and Ian, welcome to The Voice of Insurance. Pleasure to be here. Mark, it's great to see you. It is really great. Kicking off the new year in fine style, we're going to be talking about the ecosystem, which is Ian's baby. But Jeff, you're part of the ecosystem. Before we get into talking about that, I think we should talk about Zywave a little bit. Introduce us, any of the listeners who don't know what Zywave is, and also because you've done quite a lot of acquisitions in the last few years as well. Tell us about all the things you can do these days. Sure, Mark. Happy to. Zywave is perhaps best well known for its extensive relationships with, I'm going to say, almost 18,000 brokerages and agencies that cover the entire insurance marketplace in the United States. You were brokerage yourselves originally. This is the origins of Zywave, isn't it? Zywave grew out of something called the Frank Hack Brokerage in the late 1990s in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So you were solving a tech problem and you realized that yes, you had a tech business that you could spin out. Yes. I think the aspect that always enamored me about Zywave, and I was working at Advisen for most of those years, 
the nuance was around content and a broker needed a piece of content. Let's not call it generic content, but sort of specific to a risk or some exposure. And Zywave researchers put together content that the brokerage would license and then spin out via emails and CRM connections and all these different things as a way to keep their clients, inform their prospects. So sort of case studies about losses that have recently happened in that same Yeah, same I would kind of- say very elementary though. You know, do you need to shovel your sidewalk ahead of a snowstorm or after a snowstorm? Oh, that kind of, of stuff. Yeah. And by 2020 period, Clearly Capital, a very large private equity firm, bought the company and we set about doing a series of acquisitions to augment our revenue and uh, Advisin was one of the first companies that Zywave picked up. I was president of Advisin at the time, so this is three years on. And subsequently, we would pick up companies in different parts of the commercial insurance life cycle, the personal lines life cycle, employee benefits life cycle as we fill in sort of different aspects of the whole portfolio. So with advising came WCL, Web Connectivity, of course. Ian has a longstanding relationship with James Wilson there. Clarion Door would come a year later. And a number of things that help us round out our offering, particularly now to insurance carriers, as we go way beyond the original focus of insurance brokers and agents. If someone's standing at the bar with you asking you exactly what does iWave do, what would this you say? This happens to me all the time, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say? What's your really brief? You said, well, we cover the whole spectrum. I think the essence to what we're trying to do is to help insurance agents and brokers sell more insurance. And we're trying to help insurance carriers write more profitably. I think if you really kind of boil it down, that's where you come to. So Ian, how did you meet Jeff and how did you then recruit them into this ecosystem? Well, two different answers to that, I guess. So if you go back in time to web connectivity and James Willison, he was part of the introduction process, but also Rob Stavro, who's, who's now working at Clarion Door, another one. Of yeah, no, Rob and I work very closely. And, and there's a couple of other connections as well that brought us together. The concept of the ecosystem we've been having since I joined Advantage Go, it was very obvious early on that there were a couple of areas where Zywave were standout performers for us. And so consequently, Rob and James introduced, and that's how we, we came to meet each other personally. From a work point of view, is that building that ecosystem where we've been looking at the key gaps in that value chain, if you like, and where they offer the most powerful solutions. So that's where Zywave came in, if you like. And where did this idea come from, Ian? I think it goes back in time to when I was at Aon as a client trying to buy technology to solve the solution. And then more recently through the conversations I have with our clients on a day-to-day basis, it's becoming ever more complicated, just underwriting business. There's lots and lots of components you need to pull together. And one of the things I was trying to achieve is to simplify that in a secure and safe environment for our clients. So if you like, you hear best of breed components quite regularly, don't you? Well, I'm a poor journalist. I have to read that. I always think of dog shows, you know, the, <laughs> best, <yeah. laughs> the best spaniel. With, yeah. you know, but I understand the concept. It's just become one of those journalistic cliches. It's quite funny. But I always see what you're getting at. You want the best of a particular type of task that needs to be done. And obviously, there are 20 or 30 things that need to be done within an insurance company or with an insurance broker. And you want to be able to pick the best bits. 
Yeah, um, put those together like a jigsaw puzzle, if you like, and that's becoming more and more complex with the variety of specialist insure techs that are coming out, little niche solutions, which are absolutely brilliant on their own. But if you try and pull them in as a client, you all of a sudden you have to be an integration expert or you need to be constantly looking to find the right solutions to reach your problems. And we're trying to help solve that problem. So they can come and then effectively got a menu of different options to pick from. Yeah, we try and find the top two or three players, be that on the application space that marry well with our underwriting desktop or data sources, which provide more information to help underwriters make more informed decisions or even consultancy that help with the complex integration processes and uh, onboarding of new technology. So it's all about making it easy for those customers and they can just pick and choose what they want, and they know it's going to work together because you've already done the plugging it all in together bit. Yeah, we've taken the time and invested in pre-integrating, if you like, building those connections. If customers and partners want, we can make the framework where you engage simpler as well by having a contract, one throat to choke, if you like. (laughs) We take the risk of a new startup, clever technology shop. We'll bring that in-house and front that on behalf of that client. So the client doesn't have to worry about, yes, dealing with a new supplier who's got a great thing, but then they've run out of cash and then suddenly they have to kind of unwind it somehow and it's all embedded in their stuff. So Jeff, what was attractive to you about this relationship? Well, I think the essence to what Ian has been developing with his team focuses around this idea of catering to different strengths of different marketplace participants, different members of the ecosystem. By no stretch of the imagination are we in a position to do everything well. It would cost millions and millions of dollars and take thousands of lives and many years. Even if you could afford to buy all of this within time, something else would come along, wouldn't it? And you wouldn't you'd end up being not quite the best at everything. Certainly. And what we learned at Advising was ultimately that we couldn't boil the ocean. We needed to focus on a very few specific things that we could do well. And now here at Zywave, we focus on perhaps a slightly larger list, but still, it's still only a few things that we are front runners in. So what are those things? What are you bringing to this ecosystem party? (laughs) Ian will tell me as well. But when you were looking at Zywave and you're saying, well, I really do need these top one or two in these particular areas. What were the things, for example, Ian, that made you think we really need to sign Zywave up to this because they've got something really good? I 100% echo your point about being a specialist in areas, and that's what we're trying to embrace is pick the best of breed, again, using that terminology. But the area that stood out initially, and there's more since then that came out, was the rating and pricing in the US, the knowledge of the ISO forms, which is pre-built into the clearing door solution, which with our underwriting front end, we can then call that pricing and rating tool and get the answers back to the underwriter. What does ISO stand for? I mean, it's a sort of international standards organisation. I think Insurance Services Office. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And these are standard policy forms that you can use. Exactly. I've interrupted you. Sorry about that. So ingesting those forms, standard forms? Yeah, ingesting the standard forms, which effectively means we can faster to the market, quicker for a client to onboard the solution and has got years, I don't know how many years, of experience in that space, which is fantastic to us. But bringing that knowledge and experience into the ENS market, so it's not exactly the same, but it's the same sort of data into the ENS market, and then that's one step more into the UK specialty market. 
I know you're big on data. Obviously, I've spent a lot of my life reading things that Advisen have put out, particularly on the cyber side that you really picked up on earlier than anybody else. Some of that cyber loss data, for example, is that, is that one of the other things that you bring to the party? Yes, absolutely. I would say, you know, compounding Ian's notion of what I think of as RQBI, rate quote bind issuance. Try not to use my acronyms. Um, <laughs> you can use them as long as you say what they are, then you can use them again. You know, on top of the rate quote bind approach, what we come to the table with is this tremendous amount of loss event data. And loss event data in certain domains, certain silos, has a profound ability to impact an underwriter's decision-making process simply because you're looking at comparables. What other awful things have happened? I mean, as a broker, I remember going in with a Spanish property risk. It was infamous because, and I had a 10-year loss record, but had had a loss 25 years before. And so it wasn't on the 10-year loss record. And I said, I'm not touching that, mate. Because it, the whole factory had burnt down 25 years hence, and no one had ever forgotten it. So yes, that ability for loss data to affect decision-making yeah. is, is profound. We've been working for almost 20 years on a database, which is researched by human beings across all sorts of records in the public domain, jury verdicts and SEC filings and FOIA request output and on and on and on. And this has become a liturgy on all the awful things that happen to companies. And from my perspective, this is low frequency, high severity examples of what could go wrong and how big that error is. And as it turns out, Mark, you know this from your so many years in journalism, in the insurance space, human beings are very creative at getting into trouble. Well, certainly, yes. What can go wrong does go wrong. And certainly you've described it as slices of Swiss cheese, that every time a plane takes off, a load of these Swiss cheeses are all put down on the table. But sometimes, very, very occasionally, all the holes can line up in one place <laughs> and something can actually fall through. 999 times out of 1,000, nothing ever happens. But just occasionally, these things can allow something to fall through the crack that is now created. So how's the system going to work in practice? Is there an element of competition? It's because there's, there's always areas of overlap where you can compete when you're talking about having the top one or two players in each space, different breeds. In each breed, there are yeah. different dogs that are vying out for top spot. And I think that's an important component. You've got to have that competition to keep everyone fresh and alive and the propositions being up to date for the clients, if you like. Most of the people that we're partnering with, we are partnering where they have a real standout capability. Now, they'll then have other things that they will offer and services, which is part of the partnership we'll work with as well. And then inevitably, you'll come across where our partners have competing products with each other. And we'll have selected two or three leading components, as I say. And there'll be other areas where we just agree in a grown-up fashion that those are the areas we will compete. Even in our own offerings with some of our partners, we'll overlap in occasions. But what we're trying to do all the time is put the, and I would say this, but put the client in the centre of that. What's the best opportunity for them? And because we've got this jigsaw with reasonably easy plug-and-play components, a bit like the old telephone exchanges where the person plumbles that wire out and plugs that one in, we can switch those around. And it's the client's choice, not our choice at the end of the day. So the client will choose which are the best components. We just hope we've picked the right ones 
on the shopping list for. And ultimately, the client's in charge, isn't it? That it's funny, you know, when you're competing with somebody else, you think we really have got the best thing. We know we've got the better product. And it always confounds you. And the client just goes and chooses the other one. And we never really know why. It's just they might just like it more. Or they might just like the person who's selling it to them more or whatever. And so we have to just respect that. I mean, yeah, I suppose, is that part of what the ecosystem's all about? Yeah, I think from a Zyway perspective, what Ian and Advantage Go are doing is really focusing on the, I'm going to make up this word, modularity, the ability to it's insert, feel free to use it, insert components rather than relying on one particular provider, one vendor to spend the next 27 years building out this grand system that by the time it's developed will be archaic to begin with. So Zywave's whole software as a service approach has been with our own customers to sort of take this idea of how do we embed ourselves in such a way that we are connecting. I think Clarion Door is a really good example where we have very purposely not set out to try to do everything. We've focused on rate quote bind, and we have also focused on connecting APIs to a central hub so that we can expand distribution. And the essence to those thousands and thousands of insurance agents and brokers is probably one of many sort of downstream benefits to Advantage Go working with an organization like Zyway, because it just says, if you know, you can reach this group via this confluence of members. And for any listeners, I think listeners should have learned what an API is by now. Oh, sorry. But if not, yes. the connections that will connect different computer systems together. Yes, absolutely. I can't remember what it actually stands for. Is it um, programmable interface? But I can't remember what the A is now. I think application. Application. Programmable or program interface? Anyway, I'll put it in the notes. And when you're getting into a big relationship like this, do you have any trepidation, any kind of misgivings? Hmm, that's an interesting question, Mark. I, I think... There is certainly nothing I can think of in the category of misgivings. I suppose otherwise you wouldn't have done it. You had to do your diligence on yes. each other. And again, I, I go back to sort of what we were talking about as we were plugging in all of your equipment, right? It's this notion of relationships. And you're talking about there's an awareness in this marketplace of what Ian and his partners have done. These are all known entities. And I think that relationship, just like in almost every insurance contract, is a key component. The interesting aspect is really to discover how we work with all the other partners in the ecosystem and making sure that we're able to represent their interests or at least pass on like, oh, that's interesting. You should talk to this person over here. And Ian, you've assembled this core of important players, the founding members of the ecosystem. What should we expect to see in 2024? Have you, you kind of done everything or... Oh, no. no. You're going to be doing, way away. adding a lot more. Yeah, we'll, we'll be adding a lot more. I'm excited to announce two or three today, in fact. So Mir, you talk about data ingestion and AI tools. So Mir is one of our new ecosystem partners, if you like, joining us in the next couple of weeks. We've also got DocoSoft, who's a claims application provider, specialist in the London market, but are they themselves are broader. But again, if you're a London market claims area, they're in that top portal that we're trying to pick on all the time. All these things are reasonably complicated to get right. The business change along with the technology. So we're trying to work with people and see change is another partner that's joining us that can help with that integration. So on the management consultancy side, if you like, helping you with your choice of technology in the first place, but also how it fits into your regulatory environment and your business change program. So we've got people, if you like, in data, 
AI, dare I say it, the application space and also in the consultancy space. Many more coming as well. Well, are you going to be buying somebody else? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll have to watch that space. Yeah, I think that there are many companies out there that are doing very interesting things. That's you know a genius statement on my part. And we have several conversations going. And at the same time, I think the real mantra is to make sure that we're putting our customers first and making sure that we're doing everything we can. If we're delivering lost data to a particular customer, is it this type of coverage? Is it these types of companies? You know, How do we make sure that we stay true to our component of that best of breed angle? How do we make sure that Ian and Advantage Go are like, yes, if it's lost data, you have to talk to this member of the ecosystem. You mentioned about artificial intelligence, AI. Last year was certainly the year it really exploded into the popular psyche. It's something I'm sure you've all been talking about for quite a lot of time before that. I think it'd be crazy to have two tech people and not talk to them about what they think is going to happen with AI in insurance and how far do you think it can go? And I suppose the, the million dollar question is, could it go as far as replacing an underwriter? Ian? Oh, that's a difficult one. I think in the fullness of time, and that's a long way away, I think what AI is going to do is going to help increase the number of products that we can call commoditized. So you know how you today you can put your car details in your, you know, and it can look you up. Yeah, and it's not being underwritten by Robert Hiscox, is it? So there's there's more and more (laughs) risks where that will become applicable because AI can do that data crunching and that finding of the information around it. But that shouldn't go too fast, is is my personal feeling around that. And a little bit of that is because those data sources, unless they're trusted ones, these AI engines can go and look at anything. You need to go to, if you like, a Zywave loss database. Something really robust. Which is robust. And, and, and if you can analyze that faster, yes, that's helpful. But don't just open the floodgates and let data pour in. I think that could be quite dangerous. So more and more risk, I do think, could be underwritten more seamlessly, allowing, you know, if you look at our market and the specialty type market, allowing our guys to focus more around those new ever-evolving risks. There's a new line of business more or less comes out every year now. Yes. So, you know, that's where you're investing. And just because it's a new line of business, AI is not going to have the background, the knowledge and experience. And our intuition, which I don't think AI has quite got there yet, that's where we'll rely on those underwriters. So it's far more as being this helpful assistant who's triaging a lot of things and getting rid of some of the easy, easy, and certainly, and just getting things that are out of scope and just getting them out of your queue of of things that you've got to do today. Doing the triage, if you like, in some lines. Yeah, and then presenting the underwriter with, hey, here are 10 things I think you really should look at. And I'm certainly, I can't make a decision on. Yeah, absolutely. But it is for... Increasing number of lines of business, to be fair, but you know it's not getting there at the top end just yet. And suppose because the world's changing so fast, it's always throwing up new lines of business all the time, anyway, or new exclusions, new things that people are worried about that probably need to be individually underwritten and couldn't be underwritten automatically in any way. Ian, I agree with many of your crystal ball views of AI. I'll throw out that I'm a simplist at heart, right? So I distill things down to very common denominators. And certainly in the case of underwriting, it seems that there are insurance companies that are desperate for more distribution. We need more things to come in that we can quote. And then you've got other insurance companies on the other end of the spectrum where they have so much coming in, they can't see the forest through the trees. And there are submissions that receive no attention for all sorts of reasons. 
And I think there is an opportunity for AI. If you just apply some of the things that we've been working on, obviously with all of our content troves, we've been fast on this development track of how can we take content that we've already created and reconstitute it in different ways for that bespoke insurance situation. On the lost data front, we've marveled at how many different types of things are out there. We have not come up yet with a really good way to distill all sorts of regulatory documents. We still require humans who know insurance to go through and update and track things on spreadsheets. But you can see that there's an application if you combine what Ian's suggesting around that large pool of data, that insurance company's loss experience, their claims experience, prior submissions, start using AI to filter within very specific segments or subpools of data, whatever we refer to this as. And then I think you're definitely onto something to moving this collective ball towards, you know, how do we write these really unique risks? On the mass-produced commodity-like, a million different people are all going to need this coverage. Yes, I think already that's being done by bots and, and other things. And yes, other things. And Ian, this is probably a topic very close to your heart. It seems that 2024, I suppose we can't talk about Big Bang, but there's quite a big switch off. And maybe it's, it's just another bang in a series, a long, long series of smallish bangs. In 2024 in London, a lot of tech change is going to be happening right at the core of the London's platform. Are you excited? I am, but I've been excited for the best part of 30 years. We've been disappointed on different occasions (laughs) in in that time. We've been modernising the core infrastructure of the London market genuinely for over 30 years, I think. So we made some great successes many years ago on the claim side with a system called ECF. We're now looking at replacing the back-end mainframe solutions that the bureaus use to process. That in itself is a massive undertaking, and I think we're, fingers crossed, the market's just about there. That will open the door for us to digitise things. I don't think that digitises things in its own right, but it allows us to be able to, whereas up until now, we haven't been able to. You keep coming against this brick wall of, well, the mainframe says no. Yeah. And, you know, London speaks its own version of the insurance language. You talk about acronyms, I don't want to go Well, yeah, them. Londonisms is something that Londonisms we've been talking is, about yeah. for many years, and we've been trying to get rid of them, I thought. but uh... Yeah, we are. But the technology's been written with those Londonisms in. So now when you take those out, half of the market participants' technology no longer works. So it will take us a little while to get over that. But if you like, we've now got a digital base that we can build on. And I think that's going to be exciting in 25, 26. Sometimes with digital, I, I just assume you create the platform and then you allow yourself to be surprised by what people actually finally start doing with it. The earliest adopters and the people who just go off and you're giving them the freedom to go and do a lot more things. And then you can't necessarily prescribe what they're going to do. Would you say that, Jeff? Yeah, I guess I see it with perhaps a variation, right? And By no stretch am I the connoisseur of all the different changes happening here in the London market. But when I take a step back, this idea of moving towards more global standards to remove some of the Londonisms and make things applicable across a wider swath simply, I think, augments the notion of those modular components being able to integrate much more seamlessly, much more efficiently. Do you think that first benefit is obviously going to be process efficiency, speed, and cost? I think cost is an interesting one. I'm not entirely convinced on this round cost is going to be 
much different. Like I said, I think it's building the base level to build on. That infrastructure. Um, that infrastructure. And but that's then, the technology you- infrastructure. But you've also got, and I'd be shooting myself in the foot if I didn't say the Accord standards are coming into much more use within the London market. Yep. They're also one of our partners as well, by the way. So the, bringing the digital infrastructure and the business language together in a more global nature can only help us. And if there's one thing London is good at, when we, we shoot ourselves in the foot all the time with beating ourselves up on technology, when it comes to innovation, we are the leaders in the world. And I think if you give our market participants the base that they can let their minds think and we can execute behind, I think that'll be an exciting time. And yes, because theoretically, it'd be much quicker to spin up new products and new structures. But you say not necessarily cost straight away, but more like the benefit will be that you'll be able to do twice as much business for the same infrastructure. So therefore, the cost will come down yeah, as a percentage. And, and more profitable business because you're understanding that information more. So it'll be a similar investment, but it'll really pay for itself. Everyone starts in a different place. So it depends where you are in that evolution of being able to embrace the digital technology. In and Jeff, thanks so much for your time. I've really enjoyed our conversation and get you back on the show at some point in the future. Thank you so much for coming on The Voice of Insurance. Wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, Glad thank you. you so much for your time. It's really fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this programme. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance podcast is produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling enterprise scale underwriting through a single pane of glass. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com.